Today is Wednesday, October the 11th, 2023. Welcome to the award-winning Personal Computer Show. I'm Hank Key, and do you know who has your personal data? Do you know how big tech companies are using your personal data? We have been bringing computer industry news, hardware and software reviews, guest interviews, and news of user group meetings for the past 40 years. The Personal Computer Show is a three-time winner of the prestigious National Computer Press Awards. The Personal Computer Show had for many years been a call-in talk show. The pandemic-causing studio lockdown has altered our format. The listener call-in format enabled us to know what technology issues were on the mind of the listeners. Our only advocacies are consumerism and the First Amendment. I welcome you, the listeners, to provide feedback as to what you want to hear. Address your suggestions to hank at pcradioshow.org. Our website is pcradioshow.org. We are heard each Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Progressive Radio Network. That's www.prn.live. That's L-I-V-E. Streaming on the Internet. Podcasts of the program is available on prn.live on the Internet. You can leave us a message with your question or comment at hank at pcradioshow.org. Comcast and Charter's joint streaming platform, Zumo. Comcast and Charter have announced that they will be using Zumo as the brand name for their joint streaming platform. Zumo is a free ad-supported streaming TV with the acronym FAST, F-A-S-T, service that Comcast acquired in 2020. The joint venture between Comcast and Charter will leverage Zumo as their go-to platform for new video sales. The companies have also rebranded their existing products to align with Zumo. For example, Flex, the 4K streaming device licensed by Comcast to the joint venture, will become Zumo Streambox, and X-Class TV will become Zumo TV. The connected TV devices with a new Zumo branding are expected to hit the market in late 2023. What are the benefits of the Zumo Streambox? The new Zumo Streambox is expected to be a game changer for those without a smart TV and could help the cable companies compete in the age of cord cutting. It aims to address one of the pain points that cord cutters often complain about, which is the fractured entertainment landscape. The Zumo Streambox offers several benefits. It opens up the world of streaming entertainment for traditional cable viewers. It combines cable channels and streaming in one place, making it convenient for streamers. The Zumo Streambox is preloaded with hundreds of subscription-based and ad-supported apps similar to a smart TV. The remote control includes a voice search feature allowing viewers to easily find their desired shows or movies, whether they are live, on-demand, or in a streaming app. Zumo uses artificial intelligence to consider viewing habits and hobbies, which it then uses to suggest movies and TV shows to keep customers engaged, and it also offers a My List feature that allows users to save their favorite shows and create personalized profiles. According to a report from Hub Entertainment Research, three out of four American households have a smart TV, 
and four out of five have either a smart TV or an internet-connected streaming device. The Zumo Streambox is expected to be a plug-and-play portable, making it convenient for use while traveling. To use a device, customers must also have internet service. New Spectrum video customers will get one free Zumo stream box per Spectrum household for 12 months. Existing customers can purchase the device for $60 or pay a $5 per month equipment installation plan for 12 months. The roughly palm-sized Zumo boxes are plug-and-play portable and can be used when traveling. Comcast and Charter's joint streaming platform Zumo aims to provide a seamless streaming experience for users combining cable channels and streaming content in one place. The Zumo Streambox, with its preloaded apps and voice search feature, offers convenience and ease of use. With its personalized recommendation and user profiles, Zumo aims to keep customers engaged and satisfied. Beware of micro SD card that call themselves SSDs. Micro SD card SSDs are not genuine solid state drives, but rather micro SD cards that are being marketed as SSDs. These fake SSDs are often sold at low prices and may claim to have large storage capacities, such as 64 terabytes or 128 terabytes, which are not currently available in mainstream SSDs. Why should you be aware of micro SD SSDs? Well, there are several reasons why you should be cautious when considering micro SD card SSDs. There's limited performance. Micro SD cards are designed for use in devices like smartphones, cameras, and tablets, where their primary purpose is to store data. They're not optimized for high performance requirements of SSDs, which are typically used in computers and servers. As a result, micro SD cards may have significantly slower read and write speeds compared to genuine SSDs. Then there is reliability concerns. Micro SD cards are not built to withstand the same level of wear and tear as SSDs. SSDs are designed with advanced technologies such as wear leveling algorithms and error correction codes to ensure data integrity and prolong their lifespan. Micro SD cards may not have these features, making them more prone to data corruption and failure. And there's also the factor of forced storage capacity. The fake micro SD card SSDs often claim to have unrealistically large storage capacities, such as 64 terabytes or 128 terabytes. These capacities are not currently available in mainstream SSDs, and such claims are a clear indication that the product is not genuine. In reality, the actual storage capacity of these fake micro SSD card SSDs are much lower. Risk of data loss is another factor where using a fake micro SD card SSD as a storage device for important data can pose a significant risk. These cards may have poor quality control and may not provide reliable data storage. So how do you avoid fake micro SD card SSDs? To avoid falling victim to fake micro card SSDs, considering the following tips. Purchase from reputable sellers. Stick to well-known and reputable sellers 
when purchasing storage devices. Avoid purchasing from unknown or suspicious sources, especially if the price seems too good to be true. And you know that old adage, if it sounds too good to be true, it isn't true. Verify the storage capacity. Be skeptical of micro SD card SSDs that claim to have extremely large storage capacities. Research the maximum storage capacities available for genuine SSDs to determine if the claim capacity is realistic. Verify the product specifications. Compare the specs of the micro SD card SSDs with those of genuine SSDs. Look for differences in performance, features, and compatibility to identify any discrepancies. Buy from authorized retailers. Purchase storage devices from authorized retailers or directly from the manufacturer's official website. This reduces the risk of purchasing counterfeit or fake products. If you require the benefits of an SSD, it is recommended to purchase a genuine SSD from a trusted source rather than relying on micro SD card SSDs. Buyer beware. Caveat emptor. When Charter Communication Spectrum struck a deal with Disney to end the 12-day cable blackout and bring back channels like ESPN and FX to the cable providers lineup, a few of Disney's own networks were left off. Spectrum plans to drop Baby TV, Disney Junior, Disney XD, Freeform, FXM, FXX, National Geo Wild, and National Geo Mundo, and the list has grown. Now multiple secondary cable networks are in danger of being shut down, according to a report from the SNP Global Market Intelligence. Disney and Spectrum's deal gave the cable providers customers free access to Disney's Plus ad-tier version. ESPN Plus will also be available for Spectrum TV Select Plus subscribers, but it's unclear whether it will also be free. The report predicts as streaming services become more available for traditional linear cable subscribers, niche cable networks starts being phased out in an effort to slim down their channel lineups with less risk of losing out on affiliate revenue. Carriage deals forged in 2012 were focused on TV Everywhere rights. Nowadays, deals include negotiations for buy-through windows for streaming services like AMC Plus and Discovery Plus. Disney and Spectrum's heated dispute lasted for two sports-filled weekends and left 14.7 million Spectrum subscribers without viewing access on the start of college football season. Spectrum argued that the cost of content needed to be redefined and called the video ecosystem broken. The key sticking points in the argument were ESPN and Disney's insistence on including it in more cable packages than Spectrum wanted. As the war between the two companies heated up, Charter said they were willing to walk away from Disney, which would have been devastating to the media company and its ESPN asset. When talks between the two companies broke down, channels like ESPN, FX, the Disney Channel, and multiple college sports networks went dark for the cable provider.
Amazon to charge a subscription fee for Alexa eventually. Amazon recently locked some of Alexa's guard security features behind a paywall. Amazon thinks that in the near future, its Alexa voice assistant will offer enough value that customers will be willing to pay a subscription fee to use it. After Amazon's devices event last week, when the company Amazon was asked if there will be a time when Alexa's AI features will require a subscription. Yes, we absolutely think that, the executive responded. During the event, Amazon demoed generative AI features it had been working on for Alexa and that it will let Echo users preview it in the coming months. These features included the ability to have a back-and-forth discussion with Alexa showcasing its own opinions, like a favorite sports team. Previewing those features won't cost anything besides the cost of the Echo hardware and perhaps some of your sense of privacy. Amazon emphasized the cost associated with turning Alexa from a voice assistant that can tell you the temperature to a generative AI chatbot that can draft an email based on information previously discussed with it for you to send to your friends. Amazon said the cost for inference of the model in the cloud is substantial. Amazon announced an up to $4 billion investment and minority ownership in Anthropic to build out large language models. Amazon won't put a timeline on when Amazon will charge for Alexa access, but said it's not decades away. They added that Alexa would have to be remarkable before that happens. We don't have an idea of a price yet, Amazon said. We'll talk to customers and learn from them. What they believe the value is, and the Alexa that you know and love today is going to remain free. Don't bet on Alexa subscription fee being baked into your Amazon Prime subscription or hardware purchase either, as Amazon thinks both represent unbelievably oversized value already. After all, ChatGPT, which is of course miles ahead of Alexa when it comes to generative AI capabilities, has a paywall version. ChatGPT Plus, it seems, Amazon is planning on Alexa offering a comparative amount of value one day soon. As Amazon looks for ways to drive revenue from Alexa, Alexa's potential generative AI features are still in their very early stages. Executives made clear at the presentation. Alexa, like other voice assistants, has been experiencing uncertainty lately. In January, Business Insider reported Alexa was on track to lose Amazon $10 billion in 2022. The division suffered layoffs. While Amazon continues developing its supposedly subscription-worthy Alexa, the devices division appears to be trying to squeeze money out of customers wherever it can. In addition to announcing new hardware last week, it reported that Amazon is discontinuing Alexa Guard, which included free home security features like smoke, carbon monoxide, and glass break sound detection. To get those aforementioned features, users will now have to sign up for the new Alexa Emergency Assist, which costs $5.99 a month or $59 a year until January the 8th. 
Amazon hasn't decided how much it will jack up the price after that date. Some of Alexa's guard features, like the ability to arm and disarm ring alarms and turn on the lights when you're away, are being folded into the standard free Alexa service. So, Further, Amazon will start showing ads on Prime Video next year unless users pay an extra $2.99 per month. Also, earlier this year, Amazon Hamstrung Remapper, which let users reprogram Fire TV remotes for free. The move was likely made in consideration of Amazon selling its programmable remote. Amazon is still years from having the sort of Alexa worth charging a subscription fee for, but the company's statements indicate how voice assistance might continue to survive moving forward after a decade of failing to be lucrative. In Alexa's case, Amazon is hoping customers can be convinced to hand over dollars every month to help Alexa make ends meet. T-Mobile impending 2G shutdown with free, yes, free, new 5G phones. T-Mobile is moving one step closer to its impending 2G shutdown with free new 5G phones. Even though 5G innovations are finally starting to make a real life difference for millions of people in the United States, and of course billions worldwide, and 6G networks are right around the corner in development, 2G technology is still making headlines in 2023. 2G is a cellular standard introduced back in 1991, which is somehow alive and well on one of the largest and most technologically advanced mobile networks statewide. But that's not going to be true much longer. As originally confirmed by T-Mobile earlier this year, and reiterated in a bunch of internal documents circulating over the last few days. T-Mobile's April 2, 2024 2G network shutdown date gives impacted customers a relatively narrow window of time to take action and make sure the service will not be terminated next spring. Who is affected and what can you do? And what is T-Mobile's doing? If you're in that situation for some reason, T-Mobile will try its best to contact you and if that hasn't happened already and help you embrace the newest mobile standards and technologies. T-Mobile is moving one step closer to its impending 2G shutdown with free new 5G phones. The uncarrier has apparently started to send direct mail, email, and text message notifications to any and all potentially affected customers this past week, making people aware of the very easy ways they can get a new phone or SIM card for software updates. If you are stuck with a 2G-only mobile device following T-Mobile's 3G network shutdown last year, you should know you can effortlessly qualify for a killer deal with virtually no strings attached. All you need to do is visit a T-Mobile Mortar store after receiving one of the aforementioned notifications and, and ask for a free smartphone. Depending on your luck, available inventory, and possibly your own personal preferences, T-Mobile will give you a Nokia G310 or Motorola G5G 2022 or 2023 edition or a Rev VL 6 5G or a Rev VL 6 Pro 5G 
OATC30XE5G, OATCL FlipGo, or OnePlus Nord N300 5G at no charge with no monthly bill credits or other hoops to jump through. While this promotional campaign is far from new, having been originally kicked off more than a year ago, the 5G-enabled Nord N300 appears to be a very recent addition, which means that particular device should be relatively easy to score for free in a retail store if you hurry and specifically ask for it. Given how much better the Nord N300 5G is compared to everything else on the list, you might want to do just that and jump from 1991 straight to 2023 with a smooth 90 hertz screen, reasonably powerful MediaTek Dimensity 810 processor, large 5K amp hour battery with blazing fast 33 watt charging capabilities, and of course, blazing fast ultra capacity and extended range 5G network support. Then again, if you're switching from an ancient and rudimentary non-4G and non-5G handset, anything on that list should feel like a major upgrade in everything from network speeds to processing power to good old-fashioned voice call clarity and stability. Just pay attention to T-Mobile's notifications and make that switch already. Don't miss out on the opportunity. Consider a mesh system to eliminate Wi-Fi dead zones. With the Amazon's October Prime Day having taken off and joined by other big retailers, take advantage of the major discounts on mesh network systems, which can eliminate Wi-Fi dead zones once and for all with these early deals. Amazon's October Prime Day event kicked off this week, and while you may be considering picking up a new TV or even a laptop, Upgrading to one of the best mesh Wi-Fi systems is the kind of investment you can take advantage of on all of their devices. Unlike with one of the best Wi-Fi routers, mesh Wi-Fi systems or mesh routers include a main unit that connects to your cable modem along with several satellites that you spread throughout your home. This way, you have a strong internet connection wherever you go, from your garage all the way out to your backyard. If you notice that there are Wi-Fi dead zones in part of your home or your internet speed drop off quickly the further you move away from your existing router, then a mesh router is exactly what you need. While you may have considered picking up one of the best Wi-Fi extenders to push your internet connection further, these devices require you to switch networks as you move throughout your home. With a mesh router, though, you have a single seamless connection and don't need to switch networks at all. Although mesh routers used to be quite expensive, they've come down in prices as their popularity has grown. Some mesh Wi-Fi systems can be had for less than $100. Yep, that's a great deal. But you can also be able to snag some premium mesh routers for a heavily discounted price. Regardless of which mesh Wi-Fi system you decide to go with, you're going to notice a huge difference over your current Wi-Fi router, and this is especially true if you're still renting one from your internet provider. So if you have a deal on a particular model, they may be the opportune time to make a purchase. A mesh system, also known as a mesh network, 
or mesh Wi-Fi system is a type of wireless network that consists of multiple interconnected devices called nodes. These nodes work together to provide seamless coverage and eliminate Wi-Fi dead zones in a home or office space. In a traditional Wi-Fi network, a single router broadcasts the Wi-Fi signal and the signal strength decreases as you move further away from the router. This can result in weak or unreliable Wi-Fi coverage in certain areas of the space. A mesh system, on the other hand, uses multiple nodes strategically placed throughout the area to create a network that blankets the entire space with strong and consistent Wi-Fi coverage. Each node in the mesh system acts as a router, access point, and range extender, allowing devices to seamlessly connect to the node with the strongest signal as they move around the space. This ensures a smooth and uninterrupted Wi-Fi experience throughout the entire area. Mesh systems are particularly useful in larger homes or spaces where single router may not provide adequate coverage. They are designed to handle multiple devices simultaneously and can support high bandwidth activities such as online gaming, streaming, and video conferencing. The Better Business Bureau told Mint Mobile to cease claiming its unlimited plan. Mint Mobile is a mobile virtual network operator, that's MVNO, that means it provides customers with wireless service but doesn't operate its own wireless network infrastructure. In the case of Mint, it uses T-Mobile's towers to provide service to its customers. It exists in the same space as other MVNOs like Boost Mobile, Straight Talk, Consumer Cellular, Cricket Wireless, and Visible. The National Advertising Division of the Better Business Bureau told Mint Mobile to cease claiming its unlimited plan is now just $15 a month. You may want to check the exact terms of that Mint Mobile Unlimited plan. The National Advertising Division recommended that Mint stop or modify its claim that its service is now just $15 a month because it could be misleading to consumers. The $15 rate for the Unlimited plan only lasts three months as a promotion, after which customers need to choose a different plan, with the Unlimited data option going up to as much as $40 a month depending on the length of service. The NAD, which is a part of the Better Business Bureau, recommended that Mint stop using this claim or more clearly disclose that this is a promotional offer. The fine print can be found on the site in small font below the unlimited offer. Mint told the NAB that it respectfully disagrees with NAD's determination that the contours of the promotion were inadequately disclosed and that consumers reasonably interpret the phrase now just $15 per month to mean that the rate is one in perpetuity or of longer duration similar to introductory pricing offered by other wireless carriers because it only offers plans in 3, 6, and 12-month increments. Mint Mobile, now a unit of T-Mobile, after it was acquired in March in a $1.35 billion deal, is one of the fastest-growing prepaid providers, thanks in parts to its slick marketing campaign built around investor and actor Ryan Reynolds. ATT, a longtime rival to T-Mobile, raised the issue with NAD. Ads featuring the Deadpool star are a mainstay of YouTube, 
with the claim being the centerpiece of video, banner, and TV ads. Mint said in the NAB statement that it plans to appeal the decision, and a Mint spokesperson wasn't immediately available to provide further comment. Presenting the IT Pro Series with Benjamin Rockwell. This is Benjamin Rockwell, and now it's time to get down to business. This is where we spend a few minutes talking about computers, technology, and the workplace, how it impacts us, and some of the things that we should or should not do there. Sam reached out to me. He is a business owner, and he had this idea, uh, this idea of employing some of the Amazon Alexa devices within his workplace. He, he wanted to control the lights. He wanted to set some switches, you know, turn them on and off, utilizing, you know, the Alexa command and, and so forth. And I, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to expand this a lot. I'm going to expand this more than just the Amazon devices and, and a lot of that home based devices by approaching this from a different perspective. And I, I am going to finish off. I, I'm, I'm going to go in one direction for a little while, and I'm going to finish off with one exception to this. And the biggest thing, my biggest stance on this is this is workplace. This is a professional environment. This is a situation where you're asking if we should use this inexpensive stuff, this cheap stuff over here. It's almost as good as blah, 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 however you want to spin it. In the workplace, there are two different layers in Dell for their laptops. There's two different layers in Dell for their desktops. This is duplicated over in Lenovo. This is duplicated over in HP and so forth and so on. They set aside two different layers of the brand, one for residential for personal use for uh, for sale through the commercial environments and then one for the business environment one for everybody who's at work to utilize and there's a reason for this they set them up with a different layer of expectations a different a whole concept of how we are utilizing those systems. And it it sets up a number of different decisions along the way. For starters, for the home side, in, in all of those different platforms, they're utilizing Windows for home, not Windows for business. But they're also setting up some of the hardware to be a little bit more specifically chosen for the business environment. Why? Because, yes, we can set this up for, you know, better video card and a different set of of hardware for personal use because somebody's playing video games than the business environment where it has to last longer. It has to be able to to run longer. It has to be able to process things a little differently. They choose up front different sets of equipment that are maybe a little bit more expensive, but 
a lot more reliable. This is across the board. You want that professional level of equipment when you're talking about the office. Yes, the video card is ramped down. The sizing of the hard drives, typically a bit smaller, but then they're putting a little bit more into the heat sinks. They're putting a little bit more plastic into the build of the laptop. Why? Because now, frankly, we are employees. We don't own the laptop. We just figure, okay, the company owns it, so I don't need to worry about it so much. And these different things start to add up. We start going through a lot more of this purpose-built hardware for for a lot of people, and it does the job for a lot of people, and it stays durable for a lot of people, versus, again, over on that personal ownership side, we don't have to worry about it so much. If we have a little bit of failure here and there, we don't need to worry about it. We, If we have something where, okay, we, we don't have the same amount of video cards here, we, we can put this in, and it will it will work, and it's a lot better as far as delivering on gaming or whatever it is, but we don't have to worry about it if it goes bad. We, you know, we, we can replace it out if it's under warranty. So these things start stacking up. Now I am going to make an exception and I'm going to say throughout the work environment, you don't want to rely on Alexa. You don't want, you know, 50 light bulbs around the office that are all Alexa enabled and everybody's going, oh, I want the light on. Oh, I want the light off. I want the light to be uh, this, that, or the other thing. And all of these different competing voice commands. And maybe you'll set up automation and you'll set up automation based off of people walking in the front door and the light will turn on or a chime will happen or whatever. But it's not designed for that layer, that level of constant, of, I, I don't want to call it abuse, but constant interaction. So I will say there are going to be a few things that you might be willing, you might choose to move over into the automation realm only for very minor specific things. And what I'm talking about is in your own personal office, at the office, you might decide to set up some of the just the white, the tunable white LEDs, you might decide, I want to be able to have daylight light at times, and I want to have that nice warm glow at other times, that nice golden color throughout my office. But I wouldn't extend that through the rest of the business. I wouldn't extend that out into any kind of shop, uh, workplace environment, other than your personal office. It's just not built for that. This is Benjamin Rockwell. Back to you, Hank. Thank you, Benjamin. An industry 2023 report on the state of the photography industry. People are still buying and using cameras in 2023. Whether you're a pro or an amateur photographer, the landscape is changing rapidly from year to year as camera manufacturers increasingly prioritize video users. Is the market starting to move away from photographers? If you use Zenfolio's 2023 The State of Photography Industry Report as a guide, 88% of respondents consider themselves professionals in the photography industry, 
leaving just 12% declaring themselves as hobbyists or students. Insights from allied market research support the theory that most camera buyers are professionals. They also support recent comments from Canon that both pro and amateur markets are growing, although the amateur market is growing faster. Canon specifically mentioned the advanced amateur segment as a key target market in 2023 and beyond. Even more telling are comments from the major camera manufacturers as published by DP Review. At the 2023 CP Plus Expo in Yokohama, Japan, the industry leaders made one thing very clear. Camera manufacturers are laser-focused on content creators, driving the market forward. If the decision-makers at Canon, Nikon, and others are right about this, their primary target market is no longer photographers, amateurs, or pro. Instead, they're going after content creators who are mostly interested in video, YouTubers, vloggers, influence, and others. If 75% of kids want to be YouTubers when they grow up, camera companies have to take the content creator market seriously. The great illusion in this space is that anyone can pick up their phone and start making money from content. Of course, only a fraction will make a serious career out of this, and the percentage will get even smaller as more people enter the space. But this doesn't really matter. When almost everyone owns a smartphone with an internet connection, the entry barrier couldn't be much lower. You don't need to come from a rich family, pay for the years of acting school, or study medicine for half a decade to enter the space. You don't even need to be of working age. In terms of career aspirations, content creator is a new actor, doctor, astronaut, and everything else all rolled up into one ultra-accessible industry. For camera manufacturers, their products will be ready for all the aspiring creators who want to step up their production quality. Of course, they'll still be there for professional photographers too, but we have to anticipate a change in priorities if their forecast about the creator market materializes. In a world where most cameras are smartphones, dedicated cameras are already a niche product. If video is taking the lead, then photography is becoming a niche within a niche. And this raises a lot of questions for stills photography shooters. Most importantly, how much will camera and gear in general pivot away from the priorities of photographers for the sake of video production? For example, will the average camera body grow in size to allow for larger batteries, cooling fans, and video accessories? Will lens get larger and more expensive to reduce focus, breathing, and other issues that mostly affect video graphers? You could argue that this is already happening if you look at the latest mirrorless hybrid models and lens refreshes, especially from Sony and Fujifilm. Camera equipment is one thing, but what about the photography market itself? Going back to the Zen Photo survey from before, the sentiment among photographers has improved since the peak of the pandemic, but the outlook isn't great. 39.4% of photographers say business is slower than expected, down from 63.8%. If the photography market continues to shrink while camera manufacturers profit from content creators, 
to shift towards video will only accelerate. Photography's commercial value has plummeted in the digital age. Despite a surge in demand for imagery, an online publishing boom didn't do much to help either, instead fueling a market for stock photography. Now the digital publishing industry is on its knees, and big names are increasingly turning to free AI-generated visuals to fill the space on their pages. At this point, it's difficult to see the business value of photography increasing in commercial spaces. Obviously, some type of photography are still more susceptible than others, and you would hope a genre like wedding photography is more robust than most. But who can guess how long people's appetite for realism will outlive the fantasy offered by filters, composites, visual reality, and other technologies? Let's face it, reality plays such a small role in people's projections of their lives now that we can't overestimate its value. Not to mention the fact that if everyone's growing up to be content creators anyway, couples will be shooting and live streaming their own weddings before too long. Do photographers need to follow the market? Well, if the camera market is moving away from photographers, it will clearly have an impact. At the very least, it would affect the new gear options hitting the market, and by extension, it would probably change our photographic processes to some extent. That being said, the bigger issues is the photography industry itself. If the commercial value of photography continues to decline, fewer professionals will be able to rely on it as their sole source of revenue. At this point, pro photographers will either have to follow the market or supplement their income from elsewhere. If the major camera manufacturers are right, following the market would mean getting more involved in video. We're already seeing more photographers enter the creative space with YouTube channels, and this could become the norm for new people entering the industry. YouTube is home to a growing number of content creator photographers. Of course, the most important thing is that photographers continue to earn a decent living with their craft. That being said, if hordes of photographers follow the market's move towards video, it would further devalue the pro stills market for camera manufacturers. A self-fulfilling prophecy would vindicate manufacturers prioritizing video and potentially leave amateur photographers who don't have the pressure of monetizing their work as the last segment representing stills photography. As long as the photography market remains large enough, pros and amateurs, camera manufacturers, won't be able to ignore it. The risk is that if enough pro photographers get sucked into the video market, the stills-only market could lose its most valuable customer base. For a long time, fear was growing that the camera market would shrink to the point that gear would become an expensive luxury niche. Instead, it seems that the camera market is leveling out and it's photography that's becoming the niche as its commercial value wanes and manufacturers set their sights on a new customer base. Pre 
presenting Technology Chatter with Benjamin Rockwell and Marty Winston. Marty Winston joins me now, and Marty, you're always coming up with a variety of different items that have crossed your desk. You're you're constantly reviewing items. Well, if I kept reviewing the same thing over and over, who would listen? It'd get rather boring. Yes. I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and even now, the first thing I have to talk about is a charger. But, okay. Yeah. But this is from Ugreen, letter U in the word green. Uh, Ugreen okay. Nexode 6-port 200-watt charger. Now, Okay. When I say six port, it's got six USB ports you can charge from. And if you think that you're seeing a lot of chargers out there with higher power levels and, and still they're getting smaller and yeah, heating up yeah, less. Yeah. Well, if you think you're seeing that, you're right because of a technology called gallium nitride semiconductors. They're not new. They've been around since blue LEDs. They were driving those mm-hmm. been around more than 30 years. They're easier and faster to produce than silicon chips. And what you want to care about here in a charger context is they can handle more power while producing less heat. So, okay. you know, if, yeah. if, you, if you don't need to keep your coffee warm on your charger, it's a good thing <laughs> to go with. Fair <laughs> uh, enough, yes. Now, for you, Green, again, letter U in front of the word green, U-G-R-E-E-N. For you, Green... It's a focal element in their Nexode, N-E-X-O-D-E series of chargers. Uh, the one they sent us first is their model CD271, 200 watt. It's a lot of power, six port charger. And I should say fast charger because it supports PD3 power delivery, QC4 okay. quick charge, and four other standards, three of which I never heard of. It's two <laughs> USB-A ports, right. but for two amps, which is, you know, pretty standard. Yeah, that and that's, you know, 10 watts each. It's USB-C ports. One and two are good for 100 watts. Mm -hmm. It's USB-C ports three and four are good for 65 watts. At any one time, the combination of six ports can handle a maximum of 200 watts. But how many fresh things you Plugging in all at once to consume that much power. You know? Yeah, you'd have to be plugging in a few laptops to the uh, thing yeah. at once. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Now, if you push the limit, there is a protective circuit that checks its temperature twice a second and drops the total output to 165 watts until it cools down. Okay, all right. So, you know, want to use it for that coffee warming, it's going to be pretty tepid. <laughs> <laughs> It it's comes with an AC this house, but okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> it comes with an AC power cord uh, and a meter long, hundred watt rated USB C to USB C cord. USB C, you remember that? That used to be only for the Android side, and now Apple finally found it. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were kind of uh, they got their arm twisted by who, who yeah. was it? What what country? Uh, France. France. They lost wait, to France. Wait, wait. Hold on. They <laughs> lost to France. France made them surrender. It's uh, a, wow. pace, but uh, it's a right. new world, you know? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the U-Green Nexode model CD271 6-port 200-watt charger is about 140 bucks on Amazon. Okay. All right. Now, you may wonder, what's with all the high power levels? What's with all the high power levels, Marty? Uh, gee, I'm glad you asked, Ben. <laughs> yes, go on. 
everything wants more. Yeah. Tablets, yeah. Notebooks, even smartphones, even stupid smartphones, you know, the ones that cost a lot of money, demand a lot of power and really don't do anything very different. Those want right, more yeah, power, too. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, you know, it's not like there's a insect on a bicycle inside. <laughs> give it a good zap to get it going. Sure, but, sure, know, yeah. Now, the other thing I got in, which has no insects, is a Ninja, you know the brand, a yeah, Ninja yeah. wood fire outdoor oven and smoker, which is okay. kind of cool. You know, it looks yeah. like a countertop kinda oven. Kind of hot, but, actually, but... <laughs> oh, <laughs> better hope. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, it it has a little kind of hopper on the side where you put in mini pellets that they bag up okay, if you yeah, want them with yeah. different kinds of wood flavor. Well, our local grocery, which is Heinen's, had pork beer brats made with Dortmunder beer on sale. Okay. So I took that as a great opportunity for the maiden voyage of the new Ninja Wood Fire outdoor oven. It's in full, a high heat roaster oven, a pizza oven, an air fryer, okay. a barbecue smoker, a broiler, and a dehydrator. And each one of those is listed on its selector knob. Now Does it do the dishes? Uh, that was a lot of stuff there. Okay, go on, go on. <laughs> not if you use paper plates. <laughs> well, then again, it gets hot enough, so maybe it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's easier than that to use. I I, I put uh, I put the chips chip. Uh, they included mesquite and in the mix uh, and and so on. In its small hopper, laid my four sausages on the wire rack above the grill plate. Set it to smoker to 350 degrees to 20 minutes and push the start button. Boy, my whole skill set for cooking just got a lot simpler. <laughs> uh, so it, it does all of these different things. Uh, and it's an electrically powered appliance. So no gas okay. line, right. no all tank right. empty, none of that stuff. The start switch began the ignition phase for the smoke chips. And a bar graph was showing on, on the display a tick from left to right. Smoke emerged. The countdown began. Ten minutes in, I flipped the sausages, checked with an instant read thermometer. Twenty minutes later, they came off looking gorgeous. And 22 minutes later, I was dining on a smoked beer broth sandwich with chips. You can do meat, fish, ribs, veggies, tons of cooking on this. In fact, there are cookbooks written specifically about it. The Ninja Woodfire Outdoor Oven is about 400 bucks online and no neater way to make bacon. Very cool. This is Benjamin Rockwell. That's Marty Winston. Thank you, Benjamin. And thank you, Marty. Public service announcements. Computer club meetings in the New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut tri-state region. Log on to the club website for more information on remote meeting ID. The New York Amateur Computer Club meets Thursday, October the 12th. Meeting time is 7 p.m., online virtual meeting via Zoom, and the website is nyacc.org. The Long Island Macintosh Users Group meets Friday, October the 13th. Meeting time is 7 p.m., online virtual meeting via Zoom, and their website is limac.org. The Brookdale Computer Users Group meets Thursday, October the 26th. Meeting time is 7 p.m., online virtual meeting via Zoom, and their website is bcug.com. Tech Ed Connect. 
Thursday, November the 2nd. Meeting time is 7 p.m. Online virtual meeting via Zoom. Their website is wpcug.org. The Amateur Computer Group of New Jersey meets Friday, November the 3rd. Meeting time is 8 p.m. Online virtual meeting via Jitsi. Their website is acgnj.org. The King's Bite Computer Club meets Tuesday, November the 14th. Meeting time is 7 p.m. at the Park Plaza Restaurant at 220 Cadman Plaza West in Brooklyn. For more information, you can call 347-278-7320. Happy computing! Our website is pcradioshow.org. We are heard each Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on PRN live streaming on the Internet. Podcasts of the program is available on prn.live on the Internet. If you have any questions for us, just send us an email addressed to hank at pcradioshow.org. In the meantime, stay in touch and remember to do regular backups. I'm Hank Key, and on behalf of Michael Horowitz, Benjamin Rockwell, and Marty Winston, we thank you for listening. Stay safe and healthy till we meet again, same time, same station, next week.